Okay, so we're starting the series in Philippians this morning, and uh, what I want to do is uh, I just want to go ahead and start by reading those first eight verses. If you'd look on the screen with me, if you don't have a Bible, if you do, you can uh, turn there to the book of Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I told you in my heart, I I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So those are are, uh, a scripture that we begin with as Paul uh, who is, you know, uh, has written a lot of the, lot of the letters in the, in the New Testament. And Paul is writing to this church at Philippi. And he has a good uh, connection with them because in his missionary journeys and the things that he did, Philippi was one of the places that he went to. And there, was a, there were a lot of things that happened there in Philippi. And so he's writing back to them. And just, you know, you can read in other places. In the book of Acts, you can see some things that happened while he was there. There was a lady by the name of Lydia. And Lydia, uh, as Paul was there preaching and doing different stuff ministry-wise, he was able to see Lydia and her whole family baptized. And then a little bit later on, you you can read about uh, in Acts, again, it talks about him being in Philippi, that when he was there, that um, there was a jailer uh, in the in a Philippian jailer who who got baptized he and his whole family so there was some good stuff that happened while Paul was there and so he's writing back to them as he had a connection with this church and he's going to give them some information now here's some things that I that I want to share with you about Paul and his attitude as we look at these these verses we see his his mentality and his attitude and we see that in verse three is that Paul is thankful. Now, this, is, this is, uh, may seem kind of simple, but just to know that Paul is thankful. In verse 3, it says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you. So he's thinking back. He's thinking about what happened when he was at Philippi. He's remembering the people, the people that were part of that church. He's remembering his visit there. And one of the things he says is, he says, I, I, when, I, when I remember you, I'm thankful. I just re- remember what happened. I remember who you are. And I, I do that, and I'm, I thank God for you, basically, he's saying. Everyone, I remember you. I just I thank God for you. He's, he's very thankful. Uh, another thing that happens with Paul is that he says uh, he's joyful, verse 4. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, making my prayer with joy. Not a prayer out of regret, not a prayer out of, uh, I guess I have to pray for the people at Philippi. You know, I was there once, and, you know, I guess I have to pray. You know, I don't know if you've ever 
Have you ever prayed for anybody like that? And it's like, well, Jesus says I have to love everybody, and I guess that includes that person too. You know, he wasn't doing it in any kind of regretful way. He was doing it. He was thankful for them, and when he prayed, he was happy about it. He was joyful. I'm glad I can pray for you. I'm glad, glad uh, that, that I could uh, think about you. Um, and and he, here's the thing. You know, you may be thinking, well, yeah, well, uh, I could be joyful if I was Paul. I mean, look at all, he wrote all these books in the New Testament. God's always doing all this stuff with him. But he says that he's, he's joyful. It's in verse 5. It's not on the screen, but you can look, look later or look, look if you have your Bibles. The idea. He says he's joyful because they had partnership with him with the gospel. That's, that's, he was happy about that, that they were on the same page. They were in this together uh, and that he was happy about that. And again, you may say, yeah, well, I could, be, I could be joyful, I could be thankful if I were Paul. I mean, don't we sometimes do that? We kind of compare ourselves to other people, especially when it comes to spiritual things. I mean, you, know, you may look at somebody who seems that they have their life together and they always seem to kind of maybe they're happy or maybe they're joyful and you're not so much that way and you think, well, yeah, but if I had the money they had, I could be happy too. Or if my children acted like their children act, I could be happy too. We compare ourselves to other people, uh, you know, if I if I had their life, if I had their money, if I had their job, if I had that, if I went to the church they went to, if I had the preacher they had, you know, I could be like they are too. And I think we have a tendency to do that, which is really horrible that we do that, but we we kind of do. Well, let me in on, let me let you in on a secret. I don't think you want the life that Paul had. If you read the Bible. And you know who I'm talking about when we talk about Paul. And if you read anything about his life, I don't think you want his life. Because it wasn't that things were all wonderful for Paul. He wasn't writing a letter to the people at Philippi, sitting back, sucking a Bahama breeze, you know, having a sabbatical in the Bahama Islands, you know, having somebody do a a mani and a petty on him while he was kicking back in the sun, right? You know where Paul was when he wrote this letter? He where? If yeah, if you've read, as we've asked you to read these book, read this book at you know throughout the week, he was in prison for goodness' sakes. He's in prison. I mean, talk about bad circumstances for him. He's in prison and he's writing to these people in Philippi. And while in prison, his circumstances, he's saying, "I'm thankful for you." He's saying, I'm joyful that you share in the gospel with me. The gospel, by the way, that is the sole reason for why he's in jail. Because he's preaching it and he's telling people about Jesus. So if, if, you, if you think, well, it would be easy for Paul. He's some big super spirit, you know, superstar in the spiritual realm and one of God's right-hand men. And God, you know, my goodness, he actually was with Jesus. He saw Jesus and he had this great experience. I mean, you know, he had this this you know, lights from heaven come down and changed his life. And, you know, if that would have happened to me, anybody could be joyful like that. Listen, you don't want his life. And I look and he's joyful, he's thankful, he's happy. But he's in prison where this is going on. His circumstances stink. Bad circumstances for him. I just, you know, can't believe it. And this is not the first time he's been in prison for preaching the gospel. So, you know, he, he's, he's done this before. Now, when I think about Paul, now it may not be you because you may be just like him. You may say, 
Well, you know, if I was in prison because of preaching the gospel, I'd be the same way. I mean, I'd be happy and I'd be joyful. I'm telling you what, knowing how I am, if I got put in prison because of preaching the gospel, I'd probably be on the corner curled up in the fetal position, whining, sucking my thumb, feeling like God had abandoned me. You know, are you, are you that way or is it just me? I mean, I, I hate to think that. It's probably the way I would act. Or at least for a while, I would act that way, I'm sure. I'd be discouraged. I'd think, here, oh God, here I am preaching the gospel for you, and I'm trying to blah, 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 and then you let me get put in prison. You know, what kind of God are you? Maybe you've left me. I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Paul, Paul didn't do that. And I just think, I think of all the things he went through. I can tell you. I've never been beaten for preaching the gospel. I've never, in the churches I've pastored in Kentucky and the staff I've been on and all the ministry and all the years, 30 years or whatever of ministry that I've been doing ministry and telling people about Jesus and all that kind of stuff, never once has anybody, either during the service or afterwards, taken me outside and beat me for preaching the gospel. Now, they may have wanted to after they've heard some of the preaching that I've done, but they never have, right? I've never been beaten. I've never been put in prison. I've never really experienced anything that, that probably would be considered any major hardship. I mean, if, if you talk to some of the people who are missionaries and they have to hide to talk about the gospel and some of the things they have to go through and some of the things they've experienced for the sake of preaching the gospel, if I've told them, well, one time somebody told me they didn't like what I had to say, they would probably laugh at me. It's like, that's probably the most that I've ever been persecuted. You can't even really put that in the same category as being persecuted. Now, you may be different, but I'd say chances are, are pretty great if you live in this world, in this culture in the United States, and you're a believer your story is probably real similar to mine. Now, you may have experienced some hardship, and you know what? And I'll tell you this. Gosh, I hate to say this in church. Do you know where I have experienced, if you want to call it persecution, do you know where the most of my persecution has come from? I have never been cussed out by a non-believer. I have never had a non-believer tell me that I wasn't doing a good job and that they didn't, think I sh- and I, they didn't think I should be in ministry. The persecution that I've suffered is from my own family. <laughs> it's the believers, you know. The only, the only negative stuff that's ever been told to me is from people who are in church. So even, you know, I'm, so I've never experienced, I don't even know, I can't even know what that's like when Paul is in prison because of preaching the gospel, and he is still happy about it, and he's joyful, and he's thankful. I just can't imagine, because I've never been there. Chances are great, you've never been there. you never experienced that kind of persecution. But he does that, and in the midst of that, he's still happy, he's still joyful, and uh, man, just, you know, what, what an opportunity that he has, and he takes advantage of that. And the attitude that he displays. Okay, well, you may still be saying, well, yeah, anybody can get lucky once. And maybe Paul just had, you know, maybe he was just that way. Listen, it just that was who he was. You can go back again. You can reach Acts chapter 16. And I mentioned about a, a jailer in, in Philippi being saved and his family and then being baptized. 
You can go back and read when Paul was in Philippi. This is the church he's writing back to them saying, every time I think about you, I'm thankful. Well, you know what happened to him other than Lydia and her household being saved and the Philippian jailer and their household being saved and other things that maybe we don't even have a record of? He was put in prison when he was there. So now he's in Rome and he's in prison writing back to the church at Philippi saying, you know what, I think about my time with you. And I'm thankful and I'm joyful. He doesn't say, hey, you remember, you remember when I was in prison? I mean, that's, that's something that we would do. You know, have you ever visited somewhere and everything kind of went fairly good, but you had one negative thing that was bad? You had something along a trip or something happened and, and the circumstances just weren't that great. But all in all, the trip was a pretty good trip. When you remember that trip, what do you remember? Oh, yeah, we had a good time, but. Remember, we had a flat tire, and we had to pull off the side of the road, and we had to change the tire, and, and the flat and the spare tire was flat, and we had to get out that little pump, you plug into your cigarette, or, cigarette lighter, and three days later, the tire was inflated, and we were able to change it and move on, right? I mean, we have a tendency to focus on those negative circumstances, even in the midst when things have gone good. So Paul is the opposite. He had some horrible things happen to him. If you'll read in Acts 16, he was, uh, for preaching the gospel, he and Silas were beaten. They didn't just get a little switch like you used to have to go pick your own switch and get your little legs strapped with a switch, you know. Some of you have never had to do that. But that wasn't, they just didn't get a little smack on the hand with the ruler. You know, it wasn't just a shame on you, Paul and Silas. Don't preach the gospel anymore and then just give them a little swat, right? The Bible says that they were beaten severely severely all short probably of them dying i mean they would they would take them up to the point of almost death and then they would stop that's the way they did things then and then after being beaten severely they were thrown into prison acts chapter 16 tells us that around midnight that night Paul and Silas weren't in the corner in the fetal position sucking their thumb, talking about how God had forsaken them and how bad their wounds hurt and all this stuff. The Bible says that they were in there in jail after being severely beaten. They were praying and they were singing. And it was so powerful that the power of God came on that place and the doors busted open and they walked out and the jailer got saved because of that. Him and his household. I can't imagine. So it's not just, Paul didn't just get lucky. It wasn't just a, you know, well, this was a one circumstance. This is the way he was. That was his attitude. That was his attitude about, about his relationship with God and what was going to happen. So, so here's the thing I want to talk to you about as I kind of explain all that. How in the world did he keep a good attitude in the midst of horrible circumstances? How did, he, how did he stay with the right attitude? Wouldn't you like to be that way? I mean, I'm just assuming you're not because maybe you are. And, and we, we have our moments. I mean, you know, I can be that way. I can have a good attitude. But a lot of times I can focus on the negative. I can have a bad attitude about stuff, especially when circumstances don't go the way that I want them to. I mean, I can be going along and I can be happy and thinking I'm doing what I want to do. And the first little negative resistance that comes up against it, sometimes I just want to throw up my hands and quit. Oh, gosh. 
probably not what God wants. I've experienced a little problem, you know. Wouldn't you like to be like Paul as far as that goes? You know, maybe some of you are. Maybe you're, you're learning to do that. But, man, I'm thinking, gosh, that's the attitude that I want to have. I want to be able to have that attitude. How in the world did he do that? Well, I'm fixing to show you. Now, this is a revolutionary truth. It's going to be something you would have gotten nowhere else. I'm glad that you came this morning. It's going to blow your mind, the answer to how did Paul do this. You're going to be so amazed. You've never heard anything like this before. How in the world did Paul keep such a good attitude? Well, verse 6 tells us his confidence was in God. Oh, is it that simple? <laughs> That's easy to say. My confidence is in God. How you doing there, sister? Well, I'm just putting it all in God's hands. I'm falling apart. My life's falling apart otherwise, but I'm putting it in God's hands. You know, we, we use that churchy language sometimes. You've been in church any amount of time. We'll say things that we know we're supposed to say, but deep down we know we're really not putting it in God's hands. But that's what we should say. But Paul didn't just say it. He was living it out. And, and it says in verse 6, uh, you read that, it says, And I am sure of this. He didn't say, I think this might be true. He didn't say, every now and again, this is the way God works. He said, I am sure. I am confident. There is no doubt. There's nothing left to be. There's no gray area. This is the way it is. Paul says, I am sure of this. That he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was writing, I think, speaking for himself as well as writing back to the people at Philippi, telling them this, listen, you're partners with me in the gospel. I'm thankful for you. I'm happy to be able to pray for you. It gives me joy to pray for you. But here's the thing that I've got confidence in. I do not have confidence in that you are all so spiritual that you're just going to live the way you're supposed to live and things are going to be great and you're going to change the world. Paul did not say, I'm confident and I'm sure of this, that God has given me a message and I'm going to deliver it in such a way that when people hear it, their lives are going to be changed and the world will be a better place. Paul did not say, I am confident in myself. I am confident in others. I'm confident in what you can do and what you can accomplish and how witty you can be and how smart you can be and how many other people you can bring along. Paul said, I am confident in this. I am sure of this one thing, that he who began a work in you, will be faithful to finish it through to the end. That's confidence in God, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's real confidence in God. Because Paul was a pretty good preacher. Paul had a lot of good experience. He could have had confidence in himself. He could have had confidence in how good, you know, do you ever, you ever put your confidence in trust in other people think you know you just you just lift them up way too high you just kind of have this idea that oh they're man they're just so wonderful that they could never do anything wrong they could never you know that's putting confidence in other people paul didn't do that with the philippians he he said i am uh confident that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion not that he might not that it could happen he is sure of this God started it in you. He is going to bring it to completion. And that's how it's going to be complete. By him and through him. Not 
in what you can do, not in how good you are, not in how smart you are, not in how witty you are, not in who you know. God is going to bring it to completion because of who He is. He's the one that started it, and He's the one that's going to finish it. Now, that is just awesome, I think, as we look at what Paul says about having confidence in God. So here's the question that I want to ask you. What has God started in you? What has God started in you? Now, I don't know all of your stories. And I don't know all of your past, and I don't know all of your dreams and all of your wishes. But what has God started in you? Maybe, maybe, maybe this morning, there's somebody right here in this room. And this is for you to hear. And you're thinking, you know, there was that one time when I really felt God wanted me to fill in the blank. And I thought it's what God wanted. And I started it, and then I got to looking at all of the circumstances, and I wasn't qualified, and I didn't have what it took, and my circumstances were bad. And you go on and on and on. And so you decided, it's probably not what God wants for me. I think I'll just give up. And you have left that lie dormant for years, and every now and then it kind of rears its head up, but then as soon as it does... You're reminded of all the things that you don't have to make that happen. And the best thing that I can tell you is that you're absolutely right. You don't have what it takes to make that happen. But he who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It's not about you. And if your confidence is in how smart you are, if your confidence is in, well, I, could, I, I, I know God wants me to do that, but I don't have that degree. I know God wants me to do that, but I don't have those skills. I know God wants me to do that, but that's really just not my personality. And I can't imagine how God would use me to do that if God knows that that's not my personality. You can go on and on and on with the excuses. And as long as you have excuses about what you can do, it will not happen because you're not dependent on God. You're dependent on what you can do. So what has God started in you? Maybe there's a dream. Maybe there's a sense of a calling. Maybe there's a venture, a business venture that you just know it's something God wants you to do. And you've thought of all the reasons why it can't be of God. Or you've gotten started and one door after another after another has been closed and you've decided that's it, I'm done there's no way this could be of God because there's never a door open that seems to lead anywhere. And you've heard somebody tell you somewhere in church, sometime, somewhere, that when God is in it, that everything goes smooth. And where they got that from, I have no earthly idea because anybody who says that could have never read the Bible. In fact, I say the opposite. If you want a hint that you're doing something that God wants you to do, if it's going smooth, you're probably not doing it, the right thing. And I'm not saying that. I'm just, you just read. Read the people that God used. I can't think of anybody where it was just smooth sailing. The sign that they were doing what God wanted them to do usually was that they were facing persecution. 
We don't want to hear that because we want it to be, oh, this is a feel-good thing. This is a good thing. So I don't know, what has God started in you? And maybe you've laid that down. Maybe your life hasn't been the way that you think it should be. Well, you just don't know what I've done, and I've messed up, and I've sinned against God, and I've turned my back on God, and I've done all these things. Okay, that's good. Get over it. It's not about you. Move on. If you're thinking about what you've done and what you can do and what you might do and what you hadn't done, where is the focus? It's still on you. Your confidence is not in God. Paul's confidence was in God. And you might ask, how do you know if your confidence is in God? I mean, I say I'm putting it in God's hands, so is my confidence in God? Well, it might be, but I'll tell you what, I, can, I don't know how it works for you. But I can give you a personal example of how I probably know that God's really, I'm not really saying, I'm saying my confidence is in God, but the way I'm living is, is really not showing that. Here's the way I can know in my own life. I can say I'm giving it to God all I want to. But if I'm still worrying and fretting and wringing my hands, feeling like the whole ball of wax and responsibility is on my shoulders, that is a sure sign that I have not given it to God. Now, I'm not saying that I shouldn't be responsible. I'm not saying that I shouldn't do things in order to what I think God wants me to do. But if I have this deep down gut-wrenching, keeping me up at night, can't sleep, always worried, having to take an extra Nexium instead of just one a day, I've got to take two a day because my stomach is so upset because I'm feeling like if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be a failure and what are people going to think and God's not going to love me and this thing has got to work. Or I'm telling you, if that is where you are, I can guarantee you, you probably have not put your confidence in God. You still are relying on your own abilities because somehow or another you think it's up to you. And what we need to be able to do is say, yes, I am responsible. I mean, I'm not going to think that God wants me to do something. I'm going to go sit in a recliner and eat Twinkies and watch football and drink milk. And someday, well, he who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete it. You know, one day I'm going to wake up 600 pounds heavier from eating Twinkies every day. And all of a sudden, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wake up and whatever it was that I thought God wanted to, to do through me, it's just going to magically appear somewhere because he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. That's not the way it is. If you do that, you're just, well, you're just lazy, <laughs> right? So that we do have responsibility in doing things, but it does not depend on us. If a door is closed and a circumstance is horrible, then that's just the way it needs to be for them. But God's faithful and he's going to complete it in you. And that might not be the way you thought it should have went, but guess what? You're not in control of it. And I'm not in control of it. And it just may happen that that's exactly what God wanted to happen. Paul was doing exactly what God wanted him to do by preaching the gospel. His circumstances landed him. He was in prison. It would have been so easy to say, well, I guess God closed that door. I guess I'll just quit preaching. I mean, nobody got saved. Nobody come forward. The world's not changed. Here I am in prison. It's easy to do that. And again, I've not been in prison. You probably haven't been in prison. At least you haven't been in prison for preaching the gospel, Right? 
And we have a tendency sometimes to get started in doing what we think God wants. And one person can say something that's just a little negative or a little contrary to what we are doing. And that blows us out of the water. And we just want to throw up our hands and quit. I say, we, I'm, putting my, I'm, not, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching with you, right? I think that's kind of the way we can be as humans. And that is a sure sign that we, we don't understand. That it's not about us. And I love what I've heard Cliff say, uh, especially recently, uh, he, as God has, I think, uh, changed some things in his heart, and I've seen, seen him grow. I've seen him, no, I'm not saying that as a, I'm spiritual mature, and it's great to see Cliff grow. I'm just saying it's been awesome to see our pastor. He's grown. He's, God's using him. It's awesome to see that. I'm not comparing him to anybody else. I'm just saying it's awesome to see that in somebody's life. And for him to get to the point to say, I'm doing what God wants me to do, this church may dissolve tomorrow. But that's not up to me. That's awesome. That is putting a confidence in God. You know what the graphic that we showed, and it's got all those little arrows and $2,000. When I said that, some of you probably said, oh my gosh, $2,000. I can't even fill in one of those arrows on my own. How in the world are we going to get all of those arrows filled for that building? And if you're thinking that, you're thinking that you've got something to do with it. And you have a responsibility in it, but you're not responsible for it. He who started the good work is going to be faithful to complete it and carry it on to the end. Fill in the blank for whatever it is. If we wring our hands, oh, we'll never come up with the money or whatever. What if we don't come up with it by May? We don't come up with it by May. Guess what? We don't come up with it by May. What if we come up with it by next month? Guess what? We come up with it by next month. Now, that's not, again, I'm not sitting on, in the recliner eating Twinkies on this deal. But we can't think that it depends on us. God's not wringing his hands wondering where the money is going to come from. Right? So, looking at what Paul does, looking at the things that he's talked to us about, we've seen the example of him. Again, I ask you the question, what has God started in you? And you may be right on the mark, and you might be saying this morning, God started something in me, and I know it's from Him, and I am sticking with it, and I am putting my trust in Him. I am confident in Him, and you are on fire, and it is awesome, and that is great. Keep going. Don't look back. You may be sitting here thinking, you know, there was that thing. I've heard people say, I always wanted to be a missionary growing up as a kid. I just, I just felt God just wanted, wanted me to be a missionary. And now they're 50, 60, 70 years old. And they feel like they've missed the boat. Listen, I want to tell you, if God started it in you, He will be faithful to complete it in you. And it's not too late. It's not too late for you to pick that dream back up. For you to place that in God's hands and say, okay, God. I might have been going in the wrong direction all up until now, but I'm ready to get back on the boat. And I think God will be waiting there saying, I'm glad you decided to. I'm ready for you. Let's get on with it. What has God started in you? Maybe you've had 
little uh, here and a little bit there. People are telling you about Jesus. And you're here this morning and you don't even believe in Jesus yet. And you're still, you're not even sure if you believe all this stuff. But God has started a work in you. And you need to know that he's going to be faithful to complete that. And today might be a culmination of that where you say, okay, I'm giving my life to him. I don't understand it all. I don't know how it's going to happen. Because if you look at yourself, you'll never do it. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be able to get your life together enough. You'll never be able to come to church enough. You'll never be able to say all the right phrases. You're not, you know, you're, I, I would give my life to Christ, but I'm afraid that I'm going to cuss after I, I'm, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to do this. Yeah, you probably will. Some of the most refreshing things that I've ever experienced in ministry, and you'll understand how weird I am when I say this, is when we have been involved with people who have been saved and they've been at church or in a Bible study and right in the middle of it just let out a big expletive talking about how good the Bible study was. And they didn't think about it being a cuss word. They were just expressing how excited they were that they were part of a Bible study. And that just, that is awesome. We had a guy one time in the church that I was a youth minister at in Kentucky, and we drove buses into these little neighborhoods and picked up these kids in these trailer parks, and their lives were horrible, and the circumstances were horrible. And I probably have told you this before, but Eddie, Eddie Rayburn stood in front of the church one day after the service was over with his hat on, stood up, did his fingers up like this to the mostly white-haired congregation and said, Blank, yeah, let's all go for a beer. Eddie was about 12 at the time. (laughs) Now, I wasn't happy that he was. That's just refreshing to me. You know, those kids would come through the the fellowship hall. We were meeting on Wednesday night, and there there was no pavement in the trailer parks where we picked them up. And they'd come in, and it had been raining, and they would scatter mud all over the brand-new carpet of that church in the fellowship hall. Somebody would say, can you believe that they bring that mud? And I'd say, yeah, isn't that awesome? Guess what? They're here, and when they leave, we're going to get a vacuum cleaner, and we're going to sweep it up, and we're going to go pick them up again next week. Isn't that awesome? You can put your name on that little square right there, and when it wears out, you buy us a new one. Right? <laughs> it's refreshing when we see people who are excited for God doing what God wants them to do. And I want to say to you, what has God started in you? And are you doing or have you left it to the side because you think somehow it had depended on you? If he started it in you, he's going to complete it. So I want to encourage, encourage you this morning just by telling you this. God is not done with you. Did you hear that? Anybody there? God's not done with you. Tell somebody beside you, God's not done with you. Say it louder. Now tell them God's not done with me. Not me, Donnie, you, me. Tell them, God's not done with me. Somehow. That is kind of funny, but listen, somehow. In our minds, we think that God gets to the point where he says, oh, that's it. You missed your opportunity. There'll never be another opportunity again. You shouldn't have screwed up. Shame on you. 
God's not done with you. Listen, he's not done with you. And you know why he's not done with you? Because if he was done with you, he would have to be done with himself. Because he who started that work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. There's nothing in there about you. And if God could be done with you because you didn't do something, then he'd have to be done with himself because it's all on his shoulders. And he just uses us to do things. And it's awesome when he does. God is not done with you. He knows every success. He knows every failure. He knows every bump in the road. He knows every excuse you possibly could have thrown out to him as why you're not doing what you know he wants you to do. He knows everything that's happened in your life. He knows you. And he's not done with you. What has God started in you? You may not be able to answer that question. I have a feeling that some of you have already answered that. And the first time I said that, it hit you like a ton of bricks. And you know there is that something that you've always thought maybe God wanted to use you for, but you have found a way to think that it depended on you and you have not trusted in Him to complete it. You've tried to complete it on your own. You've had a dead end. You got tired of dead ends and you gave up thinking God's not with you or it would have happened. So I know I've repeated myself probably a pretty good bit and maybe it's a little bit longer, but I want to challenge you to think about what has God started in you. And would you be willing to take your eyes off your circumstances and all the things that you don't have and all the things that you don't think you could have would you be willing to take your eyes off of all of that stuff and put your eyes on him and say god my trust is in you and i am sure that he who started a good work will be faithful to complete it Would you be willing to do that? I want you to pray with me. And would you do that? God, you know who's here. You know who's heard this message. You know the hearts of everybody. And my prayer is that you will encourage people today to know that you're not done with them. And maybe there are people here who have, they, they know something that you've wanted them to do. Or maybe just recently there's something that's come up. And, and they just cannot see how they could do that. And I thank you for giving them that insight because you know they can't do it. But I pray that you help them to turn to you, put their trust in you, and know that you can. Lord, to, to know that that somebody who has had something on their mind for a long time, maybe it's a year, two years, ten years, twenty years, and they have felt like you wanted them to do it, but they have never found a way for it to happen, and they may feel like a failure. They may be discouraged. They may be wanting to quit and to give up. And I pray that you encourage them and help them understand that you're not done. 
and that they put their faith and their trust back in you and they hope in you that you will complete what you started. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for what you do in our lives. Thank you for how you show us grace and mercy. And I pray that you just help us to tune in and truly not just be able to say that our trust is in you, but that we live that out in such a way that we are dependent on you and we know that it truly depends on you working in us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.